0: Timing is everything. Sometimes, setting is everything, too. Lord Allingham, or Baz as he was known to me, waited until we were standing in Innocent's Corner in Westminster Abbey before he told me he had it on good authority. Nick might still be alive. I knew his sources went all the way to the top, since Baz is a senior minister at the Foreign Office responsible for all foreign and commonwealth business conducted by the House of Lords. He also has contacts at MI6, the secret intelligence service, since he served on the Joint Intelligence Committee, although that's something he'll never, ever talk about. Baz wasn't smiling, so I knew his news about Nick would be one more wrenching development in what had become a sensational and well-publicized manhunt. American Oil Executive Vanishes in Bloody Abduction. It had taken a royal wedding to knock the story, complete with lurid speculation that involved aliens and a distant planet, off the front pages of the British tabloids. Tomorrow would make exactly three months since Nick disappeared. There had been no note, no ransom demand, no one contacting me or Crown Energy... Nick's British employer, to claim responsibility or announce that he had become a pawn in a political agenda half a world away. If Nick's cover had been blown—he was an operations officer with the CIA's clandestine service—it never surfaced that he had been outed. To my surprise, not even the tabloids hinted that Nick might be a spy. A week after the abduction, a group of German hikers found a dark green Citroen with more of Nick's blood staining the back seat and inside the trunk, along with his wallet. They hadn't even taken his ID or credit cards. The car had been abandoned next to a grove of pines off a small slip road on the Col de Tonde, the mountain pass between France and Italy. I flew to Nice and joined the multinational search. Five intense days, combing pine forests and climbing scree-covered slopes, while bearded vultures circled overhead, until the odds of finding him were almost nil. By the time the search was called off, everyone, my family, Nick's sister in California, our friends, his colleagues, had begun gently urging me to stop hoping and make peace with the fact that we might never find his body, to come to terms with the likelihood that he was probably dead, especially after the body of Colin Crown his boss, had been discovered a few days later in Vienna, floating in the Danube River, not far from OPEC headquarters. Which made Baz's news all the more incredible. I gripped my damp umbrella with both hands and said, Where is he? Is he all right? When can I see him? Baz clamped his arm around my shoulder and pulled me close brushing a strand of hair off my face like a protective older brother. The rain was falling, fine and sharp as needles, on this unseasonably cool early August day as we entered the abbey, bypassing the queue of visitors, one of the perks of nobility. Steel-gray clouds hung so low in the sky that London had the closed-in feeling of being inside a bell jar. The scent of damp wool mingled with Baz's cologne, Santal, by Floris, very sensual, as he hugged me close. Kings and queens are crowned and buried in the abbey. Poets, statesmen, philosophers, and a few of the less than great who bought their tombs in the days when a burial spot was for sale, are immortalized here. I stared at the effigies of the two infant daughters of King James I Above them, a casket contained the bones of the boy King Edward V and his brother, supposedly murdered in the tower by their uncle Richard III in the 1400s. It would be just like Baz to deliberately choose this tragic corner of Henry VII's chapel, screened behind the altar where Edward the Confessor's coronation chair and the mythical Stone of Schoon sat, as an appropriate stage, because of the irony of the setting, and his news. I don't know a good way to tell you this, Sophie.